Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on 21st of June 2015. As many of you know, who followed me since the 90s, I've talked so much about the various controls and manipulations worked out to put upon society in such a way that the public are unaware that it even happens to them. Most folk simply adapt and adapt without questioning why often, in fact, they're so busy and worrying and scurrying and working and so on, they don't have time to really ponder why things are happening in all different directions to them, which all affect them, for instance. They'll accept that prices go up naturally every year. They, they, they accept this without thinking why. Very few people even ask what money really is, the concept of money and fewer actually ask who controls it. As long as it's there, they'll keep on going the same way as always. As long as you can buy your burger or coffee or whatever you buy with it, then most people are quite content to simply not question it. And it's the same with most things out there. But when you look at the big manipulators, we've always had manipulators through history working upon society for kings and queens and so on. It hasn't changed today, even though it's in governments. Now it's super manipulation with psychologists, behaviorists, and so on, all involved in working out how to put things across to the public to get them to behave or change their, their behavior in a certain way to suit those who rule without the public even being aware as to why they're adapting to it and even altering at all. Things happen almost unconsciously to them on an unconscious level. And I think Jack Zalal mentioned quite a few times that most folk don't reason through things. They don't think through things. Uh, they come across the media to them. They hear statements, it's kind of like 1984 when the price of chocolate rations is up and it's actually down, things like that. They don't question anything. They simply get these little factoids dished out, dished out, dished out by the authorities. And the media is, it really is part of the authority structure. Why would you question it? Why would they be lying to you? Why would they even be conning you? But that's the last thing most folk think about because it's there when they grow up. It's there from as long as they can remember, from their earliest years. Their parents never question it. And they adapt and basically accept the, the same way of looking at life in general as their parents do. Plus, they're too busy running and scurrying and trying to get the carrots that's offered to them if they just work hard enough and so on. That's very simple. But those, once in a while, you get big manipulators who understood the techniques of controlling people without the people being even aware that their behavior was being modified, done through the ages. Like, and you find that in the writings of Francis Bacon, for instance, with the various writings he wrote for the king on how to control the masses and use them and so on, and never let them know why things were happening, uh, etc. You find it with Machiavelli, of course, who basically wrote his own resumes, you could say, and uh, would, would give them to different kings and queens, and being an advisor, a top advisor to royalty. Today, it's a much more perfected art even than that, and that was pretty perfected back then. And we have occasional ones that pop out. Most of them don't pop out. They don't want the big guys at the top who really understand how to manipulate society. They don't want them writing their books. And so they're, they're so well paid uh, that uh, they're, they're, that's their reward for, for doing their manipulations behind the scenes. Once in a while, you'll get one popping out who's got a tremendous ego and can't help themselves. And you find that, um, for instance, Bernays, 
Edward Bernays uh, wrote his various books on propaganda and techniques of manipulating the masses because he worked for quite a few presidents in the U.S. He worked on creating the Consumer Society for America on behalf of very rich corporate clients to get them to buy the right products. And he said, rather than live on your name, your family name, who created the lawnmower, wherever it happened to be, and rather than tell the, the consumer why they should buy it, and you'd show the the good materials it was made of, excellent workmanship, uh, guarantees, and so on. That's how people used to be. But once they brought in big shareholders into family businesses, now you've got hundreds, maybe sometimes thousands of shareholders who want a profit every year from your company, so you make things cheaper and cheaper, and they overcome uh, any sales drop. They actually get more sales by advertising in a different fashion. They sell a dream, like cars. They show you a car on a lonely road. Well, good luck to you if you can find one. And uh, that's how the, the, the technique is today. But Bernays was a master. He already obviously knew. He didn't pick it up as he went along. He obviously knew and was trained from a very early age, probably from childhood, for his role in society. And he knew how to manipulate the masses. He knew the masses of people, the consumers and so on, and voters didn't think too deeply on things. They accepted others' opinions, experts' opinions. And so the experts can be are simply created for you to follow. And they spout what they're, what they're told to spout by their bosses. And experts do have bosses, by the way. And everything is politicized, even science. So don't ever think that science is purely out there to find things for knowledge, and truth for knowledge, and so on. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, everyone's got a funder, a sponsor, and so on in those fields. But Bernays said, as I say, there's many ways to manipulate the masses. He said, rather than create a good product or even change a product that you sell to make it a good product that the masses are going to like, he said, change society to suit your product. And he went a lot further than that, of course. Uh, you can say something so simply, but you don't understand that if, if that man was to give you a lecture on it and how to do it, it would have been a very complex and intricate lecture indeed taking in different facets of society and humanity and psychology and so on. And government uses this all the time on people. How will people react if we put this thing forward or a bill forward or whatever? And they have a work done with incredible statistics today, pretty accurate too, how many folk will object, why would they object? They break all down their different objections. And would it really matter were they a minority or would the majority accept it, etc., etc.? Today, in fact, they don't even bother telling you in some country like Canada about uh, what's really happening to your future. They don't tell you. Uh, Big corporations work with government because they put the politicians in. And government passes trade laws and things like that without even really making a deal on the media at all. Most Canadians don't even know about the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership free trade deal or anything else. Even though, in fact, they didn't really know about the, uh, the NAFTA deal, most of them, to be honest with you. And um, when the jobs went to Mexico and elsewhere and blah, blah, they, they, even though on the shelves in the same year, everything getting sold was from China, they didn't question it. They, they kind of go through a dreamlike state, most of the folk, uh, in their lives daily, on a daily basis, without questioning things. They do expect, like Brzezinski said, to be told by the media what to be concerned about. If the media doesn't tell you, they won't be concerned. 
If the media tells you to, to worry about some Nigerian girls getting kidnapped for prostitution, and sure enough, they'll, they'll, ha- they'll prattle on with the mainstream news, and they're all talking about it the next day. That's what Brzezinski said. Give them the topics to talk about, and that's what they prattle about the next day. That's society, and folk don't question that. Now, Bernice also talked about if you want to go into an area or a U.S. state, for instance, you had to understand the psychology of the people who colonized that state, they're, they're a little bit their history and so on, religions even, um, the mentality that comes from religions and so on, how, to, how to, to put things across to people in that area. But he said, Rango door to door trying to sell something. Look for existing organizations. And in the U.S., it's perfect, really, because you have so many religious organizations or remnants. I call them remnants because most of them are as worldly as everybody else today. But there's still more religious organizations out there. It says go for the top people. Bring them on board with your product. Give them a good, a good bit of money for their church or themselves or whatever it happens to be. And the people will follow the leader as the leader starts to advise them on certain things that they should do or whatever, or even buy. And that brings me on to this particular topic today. And to preface that, I'll mention that when George Bush Jr. was in as president of the U.S., he was advised by his cabinet, or the guys around him in the Congress, his advisors, who were all neocons, and you have to understand what a neocon is and why a lot of the wars are on today. But anyway, he, he was advised to get all the top Christian leaders, the big evangelical types, the big followings on, and bring them in. And they went to Washington, D.C., they paid their way, and the whole thing flew them in and wined them and dined them and told them to be on board and why they were fighting. This was a religious type, what's we told them? It was a religious type war. Uh, that were fighting the Middle East, and it was basically a sermon that were given by the, the president and his top advisors as to why they had to get on board and try and get their congregations on board. That was in the mainstream newspapers, in fact, at the time. So again, Bernays' technique, go for leaders. They have masses of followers. The followers will follow unquestionably, generally. And... You'll get what you want, basically, out of it. And for war, remember, the first thing you must do is get public support. That's why so much public support is manufactured with propaganda, which is often either untruthful or have very, very little truth in it, or as a complete lie. It doesn't matter as long as you can get the public opinion on board with it. Now, you'll find that top religions across the world today, even the, the churches in England, the Church of England, and ones in the U.S. have been brought on board too because the leaders are brought in again for big talks, they're given sums of cash, etc. And they, they're preaching environmentalism, etc., etc. And the Protestant churches have been doing that for quite a few years. The Catholic Church has the Pope coming out with an encyclical on the environment, which is completely on board with the radical environmental movement, which is controlled by the elites, the same elite that run the, the, the right wing, uh, they run the left wing too, but they use the left wing uh, for, for these kind of causes and so on to get them, them through. And the Catholic Church seems to be on board with it now. And this 
Pope in particular, who has his own history, going down to Latin America, a Jesuit too, and the Jesuits, of course, let's be honest, folks, you can't, doesn't matter what you belong to, you have to question it. The Jesuits did, in the 60s and even in the 70s, uh, take part in liberation theology in Latin America, uh, and they worked with the communists there. Some of the priests, the Jesuit priests, went completely radical and uh, took up arms in Latin America too. So you have to question, I, I question everybody, and I think it's, it's folly for anyone to simply follow a person. And when they get off the topic of their particular theology, uh, then they're talking as a, another human being as far as I'm concerned. But as a, as a, and a human being with a lot of followers who will often take his point of view too because he's the head of a particular church. So naturally you couldn't miss that opportunity to push a big movement just to bring you all into austerity in what you call first world countries and beyond austerity too, by the way. It isn't just austerity, it's the complete open border concept, mass influx immigration, etc., and and all the rest of it that that brings with it. Now, it's an article here, it's from The Atlantic, and it says, according to the Catholic Church, a number of acts qualify as mortal sins, murder, apostasy, stealing from the poor, etc. But in the eyes of a Vatican official who spoke to Bloomberg News Monday, there's another kind of sin that qualifies as a heinous act when a newspaper leaks a papal encyclical three days before it's supposed to come out. For more than a year, Pope Francis and his close advisors, and I'll get into their advisors later, it's awfully important, have been preparing this document called Lodzato Si, or Praised Be. The text focuses on environmental stewardship and, in particular, the effects of climate change on human life. The themes are directly in keeping with the rest of his papacy. When he was elected to the office, he told journalists he took the name of Francis in honor of St. Francis of Assisi, who stood for the poor and for peace and was a man who loved and cared for creation. This encyclical was leaked out. I think it's out officially now. It came out on Thursday. But it was leaked out beforehand an Italian newspaper called L'Espresso. And that was in, in Italian, but you can get copies of it and so on. And, and translated for you by Google or whatever else. But it says here, the church officials are calling it a draft initially. But the Vatican has reacted so strongly to the leak because this encyclical is a very big deal within the Catholic world. It's one of the most formal statements the Pope can make about Catholic doctrine. And it's the first of his papacy and it's his last spring he released another piece of writing on the topic of poverty, but it was a slightly less formal document called an apostolic exhortation. Francis chose a theme that's long been a focus for pontiffs, and, um, and they go through to some other ones who mentioned it him so many times, it says. But it says, this is the first instance in which the environment has been a topic of an encyclical. No pope has ever issued a statement about the environment on this level of document. In the draft version of the document, the Pope makes a strong case that humans are at fault for the degradation of the environment. Now, he's completely tied in with um, anthropogenic climate change and so on. That's where it's all going. He also goes on to say uh, that numerous scientific studies indicate that the major part of global warming in recent decades is due to the high concentration of greenhouse gas emitted above all because of human activity. Now, as you know, he's talking about um, CO2 and all the rest of it, but basically 
it's a major thing is carbon uh, is, is carbon basically, and and CO two is a, a trace gas in the atmosphere. But as his thinking and environment connects with other major themes of his papacy, including care for the poor and importance of human life. In the draft, he writes that the heaviest impacts of climate change, here we go again, global warming turned to climate change, will probably fall in the coming decades on developing countries. Many poor people live in areas particularly affected by phenomena related to heating, and their livelihoods strongly depend on natural reserves and so-called ecosystem services such as agriculture, fisheries, and forestry. Now, you better think about this, because... When all this comes in and you have austerity taxes under the guise, under called basically carbon taxes, energy taxes, and so on, and you live in Canada where you're frozen for a good half of the year sometimes, especially where I am, uh, if you want to end up paying uh, fines or fees, basically, just call it what you want on what you're using for fuel to keep yourself alive, uh, then it's going to be disastrous. It's disastrous, absolutely. For the people, but it's all planned that way too. They want to get you out of the rural areas and the north and so on, and then further south into the big uh, overcrowded cities that already exist. This is what this encyclical is not is a love letter to Greenpeace, although Francis embraced or is embracing the idea of environmental stewardship. He's doing so as a Catholic theologian, not a liberal activist, so that's, that's the excuses put on top of it. But the fact is, you see, there's no consensus. They always say there's consensus in science about global warming and CO2. There isn't. It's only the ones who are paid to be on the different panels and their paycheck is to push all this stuff. If, 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 if basically, uh, they were honest about it and say, well, there's no consensus, focused up, the big corporations and the governments would stop funding them and giving them their paychecks, they'd be out of a job. Everything is politicized. Everything is politicized. And it's a big, big agenda to bring in a controlled society under this guise. It's going to affect every part of your life, even the way you think and what you talk about, the topics you talk about, etc., from birth to death. I'm not kidding you here. Anyway, uh, they go back and forth with uh, people in the U.S. and senators and so on who say that the Pope ought to stay with his job and we'll stay with ours, etc., this is Rick Santorum, a Catholic former U.S. Senator and presidential candidate, advised the Pope to leave science to the scientists and focus on what we're good at, which is theology and morality. And uh, it says, what it's not is a love letter to Greenpeace, etc. But in fact, the topic of the, environment, the encyclical is squirrel in the Pope's wheelhouse. Francis Link's his call for environmental stewardship to the book of Genesis. Well, you, you can go into the Bible, and which is full of contradictions, and you can get whatever you want at the time. It's like lawyers today in general law, or even altering the Constitution in the U.S. You bring them in all the time to reinterpret what it means to suit the cause that you're pushing at the moment. But it says, the human beings destroy the biological diversity in God's creation. The human beings compromise the integrity of the earth and contribute to climate change, stripping the earth of its natural forests or destroying its wetlands. The human beings pollute the, the water, soil, air. All these are sins, he writes. So you better believe he's completely on board with the radical agenda. Uh, and uh, again, like Bernays said, get the guy at the top. The rest will follow. This is a low American Catholics are a sizable group. They've got nothing on the whole of Francis's church. There are 1.2 billion Roman Catholics in the world, and nearly 40% of them live in South America, not North America. 
Sub-Saharan Africa is another area for rapid growth for the church, and demographers expect the number of Christians in the region to double by 2050 to nearly 1.1 billion, although some of those will be Protestants. Actually, I think, what is a Protestant today? Mainly in the States, in some of the the wealthier areas, it's all middle-class people, and it's like a social club where they have something in common, which is a vague a vague following or something. I mean, very vague for most of them because they watch TV. Lots of them watch porn. And uh, it's a social club for them, really. They, they don't follow the teachings at all. Anyway, it's considering that Latin America and Africa are Francis's two biggest constituencies. It's no wonder that the environment is a point of pressing concern for the global church. But... Um, that's just one article on it. There's another one here, too, and it says, Pope Francis uh, will this week call for changes in lifestyles and energy consumption. See, it ties into this one cause at Europe fault and the big agendas to get put through, which is massive taxation of what they call the wealthier countries, etc., to change their way of living and their behavior and everything else, by the way. I mean, behavior on everything. But it says... Um, he wants to avert the unprecedented destruction of the ecosystem before the end of the century, according to the leaked draft of the papal encyclical. Francis also called for a new global political authority tasked with tackling the, the reduction of pollution and development of poor countries and regions. And he's also called for world government. So was the last pope, too, by the way. Called for world government. His appeal echoed that of his predecessor, Pope Benedict who in 2009 encyclical proposed a kind of super UN to deal with the world's economic problems and injustices. The old agenda, which is still pushed at the very top today, world government run by faceless bureaucrats who are paid and put in, along with their politicians, if they have any of them at all, by the richest folk on the planet. You'll never even hear their names, most of them. According to the, the lengthy draft, which was obtained and published by Espresso magazine, uh, the Argentinian Pope will align himself with the environmental movement and its objectives, while well, accepting there may be some natural causes of global warming. I guess they, they don't think the sun causes it. The Pope will also state that climate change is mostly a man-made problem. And it says here... Uh, it says, humanity is called to take note of the need for changes in lifestyles and changes in methods of production and consumption to combat this warming, or at least the human causes that produce and accentuate it. He wrote in the draft, numerous scientific studies indicate the greater part of the global warming in recent decades is due to the great concentration of greenhouse gases given off above all because of human activity. Now remember, greenhouse gases too, a lot of it's just water in the air, it's water and moisture in the air. And uh, if you get any heating at all in the summer, that's why it gets more humid, for instance. That's part of the greenhouse gas as well. Uh, but again, the sun's got nothing to do with anything, blah, blah, blah. The Pope, it's amazing that the sun's not even factored. Neither is the geoengineering program that's been going on daily, I mean daily, in first world countries since 1998. So, and they also talk about uh, uh, human aerosols and so on. But they don't mention the aerosols from the geoengineering that are spraying every day. If they don't factor that into the little computer models that's changing the climate. But it's not meant to be talked about because there's a bigger agenda behind all of this. Anyway, the Pope will also single out those obstructing solutions 
in apparent reference to climate change deniers, the draft states that attitudes that stand in the way of a solution, even among believers, range from negation of the problem to indifference to convenient resignation or blind faith in technical solutions. The leak has frustrated the Vatican's elaborate rollout of the encyclical, a papal letter to bishops on Thursday. Its release has been planned to come before the Pope's trip to the U.S., which is due to attend the United Nations as well as a joint meeting of Congress. Journals were told they would be given an early copy Thursday morning and they would be released publicly at noon following a press conference. And so on and so on. This is Cardinal Peter Turkson, who wrote an early draft of the encyclical on Hans Joachim uh, uh, Schellenhuber, a noted climate scientist in Germany, were expected to attend the press conference. You should go at these guys' histories, it's quite amazing. On Monday, one of them actually wants the population to be reduced to a million people, or a billion, if it's a million or a billion. On Monday evening, the Vatican asked journalists not to publish details of the draft, emphasizing it was not the final text. And it's not a detailed scientific analysis of a global warming crisis. Instead, it's a Pope's reflection of humanity's God-given responsibility as custodians of the earth. The start of the draft tested the Pope writes, The earth is protesting for the wrong that we are doing here because of the irresponsible use and abuse of the goods that God has placed on her. And it says, he immediately makes clear, uh, moreover, that unlike previous encyclicals, this one is directed to everyone, regardless of religion. Well, once again, they should stick to the theology. Because there is not consensus. You've got half the scientists frozen out of it that, that's, that that's, don't go along with it. It's very much like when... George Bush Jr. wanted the, 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 I call it Gulf War II, or they call it Operation Freedom, as they invaded another country. And he wanted to only hear about weapons of mass destruction. He brought in people and says, if you've got anything negative to say about that, like there's no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, I don't want to hear it. Just give me the guys that will say they're, they're, there's weapons there, and things like that. They wanted the war, you see. It had been planned many years before in the previous decade, in fact, and it was published. And they got what they wanted. But it's kind of similar with this kind of thing, too. Uh, you simply freeze out the guys, all the top scientists, and renowned scientists, too, that are not in the paycheck, and they won't go in the paycheck, never mind the ones who left the IPCC. You, get to, you suddenly only hear what you want to hear. According to a leaked document, the Pope will praise the global ecological movement, which has already traveled a long, rich road. It's rich already, and paid all too well, and has been given rise to numerous groups of ordinary people that have inspired reflection. And it says, it's not his first foray, foray into the climate debate. The pontiff, who was elected in 2013, has previously noticed his disappointment, the failure to reach a global accord on curbing greenhouse gas emissions chiding climate negotiators for having a lack of courage during the last major talks held in Lima, Peru. He's likely to want to, to influence Republicans in Washington with his remarks, and so on. The encyclical will make for awkward reading among some Catholic Republicans, including John Boner, Republican Speaker of the House. While many Republicans have praised the Pope, it will not be unprecedented for them to make a public break with the pontiff on the issue of global warming. And um, it's just incredible to see a, a awfully well-planned propaganda spiel 
the whole environmental movement's all getting paid at the top, at least our leaders do, by the big foundations, get paid massively by the big foundations, these so-called charitable organizations and social activist foundations, uh, to push all this stuff. And who owns the foundations? The top corporate leaders and bankers of the planet. And also Lord Moncton, for those who know who he is, who's attending a lot of these environmental meetings and the top world meetings too on it, who's against all this global warming stuff, at least for the reasons they're all given. It says Moncton has held positions with the British press and in government and so on. And it says, Lord Moncton told the BNS co-host Breitbart News Executive Chairman Stephen K. Bannon and Editor-in-Chief Alexander Marlowe that judging by Hillary Clinton's relaunch speech on Saturday in New York, he doesn't expect her to give much attention to climate change in her 2016 presidential run. The topic of climate change is beginning to smell like a kipper, as a smoked fish, of course, uh, that went bad behind the radiator and has been there too long, Moncton jabbed. I don't think they're going to play this very big. Obama's done it because everything else he's touched has failed. No, it's much, much bigger than that. There's a massive agenda to, to change society for total control, as I say, from birth to death, in a new type of economy, a new type of why you're even here, what your function is for the, for the state or the world state. Moncton believes the Obama administration is spending vast amounts of money on trashing their own economy by driving every steelworks and aluminum works overseas by not allowing the development of the XL pipeline, interfering with fracking and establishing a war on coal. He contends that all of this has had catastrophic effects on the jobs of the very people that would be foolishly voting for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And it says, Moncton explained that if one looks at the book of Genesis, because this is what Pope Francis is on about, with dominion over the earth comes responsibility, and heroes of the church like St. Francis of Assisi, etc., etc., it's always been part of the established Catholic social teachings, nothing new in any of that. But what happened was a communist managed to get control of the pontifical academies of science and social sciences, and that communist was Bishop Marcelo Sanchez Sarondo. He says, according to Moncton, Sarondo is an out-and-out Marxist who declared that climate change was useful to Marxism. But remember, I know by studying an awful lot that Marxism was funded and set up and controlled by the same one group. The three groups, the one at the top of the pyramid that controls either side, you see, of the triangle, I should say. Moncton said that Sarondo could care less whether climate change is true or not, he ignored information the Vatican's most influential scientists demonstrating that global warming is, was more theoretical than empirical. Francis, who was brought up in the communist tradition of liberation theology in Latin America, encourages Sarondo. Previous popes like John Paul II and Benedict believed he had to let skeptics have their say. Pope Francis Moncton argues let Sarondo dominate his head exclusively. Moncton further explained that Francis is influenced by extremist professor John Schnellenhuber, founding director of the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. It's a massive uh, institute, basically, completely funded by the big boys to get this, this agenda through. So everything they're going to say is going to be that humans are bad, humans are bad, humans are bad. And that's who his advice. That's one of the advisors to the Pope, but so is that. Other ones I've mentioned before. Uh, the other top ones from the U.S. as well. Anyway, it says uh, this this particular uh, Schnellhuber, who said in 2009 at a climate conference in Copenhagen, that if we let global warming continue, six billion of the seven people on Earth 
will be killed by it. Now, they want to get rid of us anyway. Moncton said that Schnell Huber, it's actually Schellen Huber, it's spelled wrongly here, um, will be signed by the side of the Pope Francis when they announce the encyclical next week. The influence that this guy may have had over the papal letters worries Moncton. The fact that he will be there next to the Pope suggesting Moncton that Francis is thanking him for having written the climate portion of the encyclical. That's another one. And this article goes on about it. So there's quite a few I'm putting up tonight because it's interesting. It's, and you, piece, you can't get a whole story unless you piece them all together. You understand? That's what most things today. This article says Pope's encyclical could have a huge wear on climate change talks. And it says here that he, he's another big player who's other, the other media advisor. I mentioned him quite a few times over the last month or so. We look to Pope Francis, a great moral leader for all humanity, all people here from every walk of life and every religion. His encyclical will make a huge difference. It's being expected around the world with great anticipation, says Jeffrey Sachs, who told the CNA April 28th. Jeffrey Sachs, awfully important guy. He's one of the main managers of hundreds and hundreds of organizations, and he's also well-funded and incredibly well-funded, an economist who's now into the environmental stuff too, and again, uh, anthropogenic global warming stuff. He's one of the main connectors of different organizations. He keeps it all on track. Very important guy. And he's an advisor to the Pope as well. That's who the Pope called in as well to tell him all about it. So the whole world looks to Pope Francis for inspiration, and that's well beyond the Roman Catholics in the world. It's all of us, he said, adding that the Pope's encyclical will play a huge role in climate change discussion. Then they go on to tell you a little bit, just a little bit about Sachs. I don't want to really tell you all about him. But Sachs is the director of the Earth Institute at Columbia University and a special advisor to the United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon who was present in Rome for a one-day summit on climate change and sustainable development hosted by the Pontifical Academy for the Sciences. It's called Protect the Earth, Dignify Humanity, etc. The summit itself, that's the name of it. Anyway, all these top guys, the coordinators, are are there, the ones who are all on board, actually who helped to spearhead it all because they're funded by their bosses to do it. And these are the guys... The Pope called, and he didn't call in anybody else or all the other top scientists who don't go along with all this. They didn't call it in any of them, as far as it says here in these articles. But it says here, for Sachs, who's also a member of the Pontifical Academy for the Sciences, he's an everything, this guy, the context of sustainable development in the encyclical is very helpful in creating a holistic framework that builds economic, social, and environmental awareness of the need to take care of the world in which we live. The economy, he said, must work within a moral framework. A moral framework meaning one can deliver for the human good. Well, if they made decent stuff that wasn't designed to bust and, and cost a fortune on spare parts, as if it wanted to last at all. Yeah, you could say that. But the corporations that are all for this and all on board with this have a different agenda. And believe you me, you have no idea what it's going to be until it's really all put in place through law. And this makes the church's message very important for the entire world. Although an economy can be considered successful if it multiplies, the moral framework that ensures the economy is serving the common good is frequently lacking, Sachs observed. UN Secretary General Baikamun also weighed in on the topic during a press briefing after he delivered the keynote speech for the summit. 
Referring to climate change as a defining issue of our times, Ban Ki-moon said that the Pope's encyclical will come at a critical point in discussion on the topic. Well, that's not coincidence. And so Francis is set to address the UN Special Summit on Sustainable Development September 25th during his visit to the United States, which is an address Ban Ki-moon said will have a profound impact. By the way, uh, you'd be surprised how much of this is all tied into the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. As it says, only, I think, five of the 29 chapters in it deals with trade. And it all ties in this year, because the biggest sum of, of all for an environment and the signing agreements from all countries is to be done, uh, I think it's December this year. So you have the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the Trans-Atlantic Partnership going against cemented even further, all these different partnerships on trade and goods and all the rest of it, and free travel of peoples across borders, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is all coming down on the same year as they bring all this environmental thing forward to, to change society for next year. And it'll be changed forever once all these things are really, really implemented. It may take them a few years to implement every little part of it, but once they do, if you have any memory at all, and you look back, you'll you'll wonder what kind of world you lived in before. This is in a private meeting with the Pope Francis, ahead of the summit. UN Secretary General said he told the Pope he's looking forward to this encyclical as soon as possible, and he counts on his moral voice and moral leadership, and so on and so on. This is, if a proper ethical foundation is lacking from the policies and their implementation, then humanity itself will lack the courage and moral substance to carry out even the simplest proposals, the Cardinal continued. In comments made to journalists during a pause in the summit, Cardinal Turkson addressed critics who find issue with the Vatican's partnership with organizations such as the UN that promote population control as a means of combating climate change. Sachs himself is an avid supporter of population control, despite his seat on the Pontifical Academy. You better start thinking who's, who's at the top of things, folks, and I don't care what you believe in. This is not an attack on any church. Getting back to Bernays, don't try to convince all the people. You can't convince them all, but they will follow a leader and get the leader. He says, these new methods of engagement don't mean running away from the world, he said, but rather establishing a dialogue and so on and so on. So there'll be a lot of in and outs and infighting and outfighting and a lot of covering up what the Pope said too by different agencies too, as you find with all things today in all politics as well. So it's going to be massive changes they're talking about here. Massive, massive changes. Now I'm also going to put up uh, uh, the leaked document I don't know if the other one is really out yet It's supposed to be out on Thursday But I, don't, I haven't seen it so far But it says here um, And what's up with that To get the full copy of the Pope's expected climate and cyclical leaks With the translation selected In the particular article I'll put up on the website CuttingThroughMatrix.com But it says here He points to the paragraph in particular Mostly Translated by Google, so there might be some mistakes in it because it's in Italian. It says, For poor countries, the priority should be their eradication of poverty and social development of their inhabitants. At the same time, the scandalous level of consumption of certain privileged sectors that's all of you in the first world countries that pay for all the rest of the world 
is that author population must be considered and better counter uh, corruption. Of course, they must also develop less polluting forms of energy production, but for this they have need to rely on help from countries that are grown much at the expense of polluting the planet today. Direct exploitation of abundant solar energy requires that you establish a mechanism. By the way, I mean, where I am in Canada, especially now with geoengineering, yeah, if every sunny day you're going to get about four or five days of, of completely overcast and, and rain because of the geoengineering they're doing. So, so you're not going to get all the... Uh, even infrared doesn't... Believing me that the clouds do cut out a lot of infrared. Even a lot of the advertising says, well, yeah, it still goes through clouds. And so. No, it really vastly reduces it. So it doesn't really work here. Maybe in California... But it says here that the direct exploitation of abundant solar energy requires that you establish mechanisms and subsidies so that developing countries can have access to technology transfer. In other words, once again, with the old, old con, the first world countries, well, through the IMF and, and through uh, uh, various development banks, that all are part of the government working with IMF and the World Bank itself, will be taking loans out in order to buy the international corporations um, various things for, for, for creating power, such as solar and, and wind and all that. And we were paying for them to be established and put into these third world countries. It's, it's beautiful. It's, jo- it's work. It's work and massive profit for the big corporations. Why well. well, think they're all on board with this? I guess you rough translations. They say the climate is a common good. Well, no one's going to deny that if they would just leave it alone. It says the climate is a common good for all and for all. It globally is a complex system in relation to many conditions essential for human life. Well, that's not rocket science. And it says, um, Section 20 says, Presence of a worrisome warning of the climate system. In recent decades, the heating was accompanied by the constant rise in the sea level. By the way, that's all been debunked by other top scientists, often with many more credentials than the ones who run the IPCC. And the rest of them who are all involved make their living on this incredible living. And um, who physically gone, physically gone, and done physical checks year by year at the sea level, and it's not rising. And it's it's also hard not to relate it to the increase in extreme weather events. Regards to the fact that we cannot attribute a cause scientifically determined at each particular phenomenon, Humanity is called to become aware of the need to change lifestyles, production, and consumption to combat this heating, and or at least the human causes that produce or accentuate it. It is true that there are other factors such as volcanoes and the variations of the orbit of the Earth. No kidding. Oh my God, they've actually had me a breakthrough here. The solar cycle, etc. But numerous scientific studies indicate that many of the global warming of recent decades is due to large concentration of greenhouse gases. And they don't mention that, that see, see many, uh, or numerous scientific studies, what about all the numerous ones that, that say this, this is not true? They're not even considered. Because it's an agenda. Back to George Bush again. Only bring me the folk who will say there's weapons of mass destruction to justify this war, to get public opinion on board. So I'll put this article up too. You understand, too, that, that, that uh, those who control consumption done through history have done so to reap massive profits. Massive profits. 
And if you have hungry bellies, believe you me, you'll do what you're told. And if all your spending money is going to pay various cons across the planet for the big international corporations, and you're paying energy taxes and everything else for everything you purchase, including your food and your heating and so on, you'd be lucky to be alive at all, actually, by the time this is all finished. But anyway, uh, I'll put this article up as well. One more is from Reuters. One of the speeches slated for the Vatican ruler of the long-awaited papal document on climate change once said the earth is overpopulated by at least 6 billion people. The teaching document called an encyclical is scheduled for release June 18th. The political left is hoping for a document that ties belief in global warming to religious obligation. Well, they're both based on belief, right? Climate skeptics have already started criticizing the document. And then they go on about the choice of Professor John uh, Sean uh, Huber, the founding director of the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. It's kind of like, like bringing on board the devil to tell you about hell, isn't it? Because that's the devil's belief too, isn't it? That's his domain. What else is he going to tell you about how great heaven is? Would the devil tell you that? Anyway, uh, it says, in a talk given to what's described as the failed 2009 Copenhagen Climate Conference report in New York Times, Sean Huber, who has advised the German President Angela Merkel and is a visiting professor at Oxford, said of global warming, in a very cynical way, it's a triumph for science because at least, at last, we have stabilized something, namely the estimates for the carrying capacity of the planet, namely below 1 billion people. These are the Pope's advisors. This is who he brought in. And, and it, they don't mention all the many he could have brought in who are less radical. Never mind the many, many, many who, who are not on board with this. As Schellenhuber is also author of what's called the two-degree target that says governments must not allow the temperature to rise more than two degrees higher than at the start of the Industrial Revolution. I guess the government now is God. It can command the sun, don't give off heat. Anyway, any higher the theory holds and much life on Earth would either perish or be gravely harmed. The theory goes, right? Theory. To deal with climate issues, he's also called for an Earth constitution that would transcend the United Nations Charter along with the creation of a global council elected by, listen to this joke, all the people of the earth. Anything to do with, with anything today, the, pub, the general public have no vote whatsoever. Elected by all the people on earth and a planetary court, a transnational legal body, lawyers again, open to appeals from everybody, especially with respect to violations of the earth constitution. The constitution of the earth, you see. So it's amazing. And of course, the top corporations are at the charge of everything at the very top. Um, not at the very top, actually. There's guys above them who own all their shares in the corporations. And uh, the controlling interest shares that is. And that's how it really all works in this system today. Another article, being one of the leading climate scientists worldwide, but it's the same guy again. He provided advice, for instance, to the President of the European Union Commission, Jose Manuel Barroso. It says here, this is, this is uh, Sean Huber again. It says, in 2007, he was appointed Chief Government Advisor in Climate-Related Issues during Germany's EU Council Presidency and G8 Presidency. Remember, you folk of the earth never got to vote on any of this stuff either. 
the EU Council presidency or the G8 or, or any of the things that they pass or the Trans-Pacific Partnership or, or IMF, the creation of... You get, you get asked about nothing, folks. Anyway, as a member of the Climate Change Advisory Board of the Deutsche Bank, so it's all working for the bankers, and chair of the governing board of the European Institute of Technologies, Climate Knowledge and Innovation Communities. Isn't that a wonderful term, eh? Qualifications in mathematics and physics, doctorate in theoretical physics, everything he says is theory, from the University of Regensburg and so on. And it goes on and on and on and on about uh, all these wonderful uh, accolades and so on and stuff and awards being given. So he's a big, again, coordinator for the, for the masters. And he, his job is to run all the, all the thousands of organizations and coordinate them all into the same direction, you see. That's what he's out for. Uh, that's just like Jeffrey Sachs as well. Same idea. There's quite a few of them. I'll put these links up tonight, as I say, and you can read it for yourself. It's quite quite interesting, in fact. The other advisor, one of the other advisors that uh, the Pope had, was another far lefty communist one. In fact, some people have actually said he is communist. In fact, like Moncton said so, and that's Marcelo uh, Sanchez Sorondo. I'll put his link up tonight too. But when you look at all the different articles he's written over the years, all the things he's attached to, to do with various sciences and all the rest of it, outside his particular, his, his own science of philosophy and so on, he's into all the, the, the global warming stuff too, of course. But when you look into it, it's all the stuff of the United Nations, the, the papers he's put out in the past. He's got Science for Survival and Sustainable Development, and uh, all these kind of things too. A social dimension of globalization, science and the future of mankind, uh, and on and on. It's just amazing. Globalization, ethical and institutional concerns, globalization and humanity, the new approach on ethics of sciences, and um, the challenger of sciences, uh, and stacks on more on globalization. It's just incredible. I mean, the guy should literally be out of the Vatican and simply sitting in the United Nations. Maybe he is for all I know like these days, as they all work together. And uh, but I'll put all that up too. And you can understand, when you really understand things or you're studying to understand anything, uh, this dry stuff you have to work through and plow through to get the right picture of things. You don't go off into the UFOs or aliens or behind the whole thing, things like that. Uh, it's much easier to go off into imagination. It's more enjoyable too. But the fact is that the facts are pretty dry, but they're, they're all there for you if you care to look for them. Another article too has to do with uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I told you it would all pass. Uh, for the, and there was holdouts for the first time in the U.S. Congress, and the holdouts always hold out for more bribes to be offered to them to go along with it, and and promises to get up in, in their career in politics and so on. That's why they hold out. That's the standard stuff. You have career politicians today, folks. They're not statesmen. Haven't had statesmen for probably a couple hundred years. But it says here, fast track authority for Trans-Pacific Partnership trade passes the House. And uh, 
Congressional Procedure as fun, it says, whereas bills giving Obama a fast-track authority to send the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Pact to Congress, where they will have to give it a straight yes or no vote with no amendment, have passed in both the Senate and then today. Well, again, that's the people speaking, eh? Most of the folk don't even know what's going on. They've never heard of it. In fact, I've got an article from Canada, and they did a poll test, and polls are always fudged one way or another. But the thing is, it says most Canadians don't know what it even means when they were asked what it means. They have no idea. Because Canadians are even better behaved, actually, and leave uh, the big important decisions, who's running the world and themselves and their future, to people who can come out of the special rooms. You know, the, the professionals up there in that big, strange, morphous mass up there that they can't really understand. This is the second time in a week the House has voted to approve the controversial fast-track bill. On Friday, the House voted again in favour of the fast-track, which would make it easier for Obama to complete a sweeping trans-Pacific trade deal. Obama's just a front man too, folks. These trade deals have been going on for years, and it's the CFR agenda, it's the Royal Institute of International Affairs agenda, and going way back into the 1800s, it was a Lord Alfred Milner agenda. He created the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the CFR. It's never changed. And it says here, this article here quotes some other articles from The Hill, for instance, the US, The Hill and politics, to tell you what's going on. And uh, it's, quite, it's quite interesting to see what they, they say about it. But again, too, it's a done deal. It's a done deal before you ever heard the term Trans-Pacific Partnership. It's a done deal. It doesn't just come up over a matter of weeks and get worked out on the spot. These things take years to prepare and work on. But this article here about the Trans-Pacific Partnership is from Brian Doherty. He's a senior editor at Reason magazine and author of Ron Paul's Revolution, the man and the movement he inspired. But um, for this guy who's connected somehow with Ron Paul, he says himself, he says, I remain absolutely agnostic on the value of the TPP itself, as it's still mostly secret amongst other reasons, and a back-and-forth believer that fast-track might ensure that anything resulting in trade deal will be better than it would be if Congress got to mess around with it. And he says, I remain a 100% believer that that rather than highly negotiated and lengthy and complicated trade packs, we should just make it easier and cheaper uh, all on our own to allow American citizens to buy goods and services from whoever we want over the globe, no matter what their governments choose to do to make their citizens' lives harder. Well, it's getting harder and harder because of the free trade deals to start with. And I have heard Ron Paul in the past say that he was all for globalization too. So... You don't take your heroes, they're all supplied to you. I don't take heroes, and I don't care who is presented, whether it's religion or anything else, presented to the public. Uh, as I say, um, be careful of who you're following, because you're generally led down the garden path. You're following the way you're supposed to follow, because your masters have predicted you that you would by the way you've been trained, uh, rather than just allowing you to think for yourselves. But as I say, we have no say whatsoever in what really happens. And uh, votes that are passed are done by those in the government, not by the will of the people. Uh, that's what they mean when they say, oh, the people of the world voted for this. No, we don't. We don't vote for that. Politicians do, and they obey the masters who put them in. And it's not the general public, as you well know.
another deal that just got ratified there, and again, Canadians know nothing about it, is to do with the Canada-China Investment Treaty. It comes into force October the 1st, two years after they, they, they signed the deal that most Canadians don't even know happened. But it says, Ottawa confirms it's ratified a foreign investment treaty with China more than two years after the controversial agreement was signed, as the CBC News first reported Friday. It cements investment for to provide for the protection and the confidence of Canadian investors. So the big investors are okay. And it says, as they need to expand, grow and succeed abroad. And then it says, agreement with China signed 2012 initially provides a framework for legal obligations and rights that would enhance foreign investment, mainly into Canada, actually. But anyway, it says here, the National Democratic Party, who has left a few steps you know, left of Marx, issued a statement saying the agreement will give China's state-controlled companies the same protection. This is true. Remember, China's still technically a communist-run country with a Politburo who runs the country. State-controlled companies of China given the same protection under the law as, say, private Canadian companies. This is, in effect, will give China access to and control over some of Canada's natural resources, that's land and everything, for the next 31 years. This is NDP trade critic Don Davis put forward a motion in the House of Commons April 22, 2013, calling the government not to ratify the agreement, and the motion was defeated. So that's it. It's, everything that happens on a big scale is done without the public's consent. Mind you, you would need a dictionary of all the terms they use, uh, with, uh, such as the, the APEC summit and things like that. For, for most folk to even know what they're talking about, uh, FIPA and all of these things, you need a dictionary now for the general public to understand if you're even going to have a discussion with them, uh, where you could open a darn thing up and say, read that and read that and read that and read that. Because otherwise you have no idea of the massive superstructures above what you think of as your national governments. And uh, you can't really keep up with all of it, naturally. But we're all affected by all these agreements that are done by private uh, corporations abroad, etc., international corporations, who also put your politicians into office by giving them the cash to run in the first place. And also the media, which is definitely an arm of government, uh, tells the public what you think about anything if they mention these big things at all. Generally, they don't bother mentioning them anymore. They don't want you involved. They don't want you to even know about it. Just go and play like little children because it's too complex for you to understand. You're, you're too simple. And if you do that, then we'll all get along just famously. That's the technique that's used today. We're distracted with stuff that don't really affect our lives at all. And it's sad. Now remember, folks, you can help keep me going by getting the books and discs advertised at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And you can donate as well for all the thousands of talks that are up there for free, if you want to. And you can also pay by PayPal, personal check, money order, Western Union, or even send cash. It's all the same. And that helps me tick over. So sorry for this hurried yap session I've had tonight, but I've been awfully, awfully busy. 
So from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, where at night it's going down in temperature-wise because of global warming to about 8 degrees above freezing. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.